wellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to A Quirky Journey, the healthy family podcast with your hosts, Joe Witten and Fuad Kassab. After a, a long hiatus of just a few weeks, it feels like forever. It feels, yeah, it feels like forever, but we got rested and energized and we're ready to go. Speak for yourself, Joe. I'm knackered. Oh, oh. I've had too much holidaying and now I you're knackered. So. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Sometimes when my sleep isn't like perfect, you know, like I stayed up yesterday um, talking to my friend from Lebanon who's going to come visit me in February. He's going to spend a couple of weeks. Oh, that's so exciting. I stayed up talking to him till like midnight and I usually never oh. do that. So I only got like six hours worth of sleep. So, you know. I'm Please usually- tell me you didn't have coffee this morning. Uh, no, I'm drinking this Amazonian uh, tea called Guayasha, I think. That's how you say it. I'm not really oh. sure. But it's a you caffeinated said... tea. Oh, it is. Okay. Well, that's yeah. probably better for you than coffee because I know what happens when you drink coffee. Yeah, it's kind of like mate, but nothing like, like as unpleasant. <laughs> ah. <laughs> you know, it's, better, is it? like, yeah, it's not very, like, I don't find it delicious. But um, No, I don't either. Yeah. This one's like a mm. green tea, but with the caffeine of yerba mate. So yeah, it's good. Yes. Well, I had a, I don't know if you saw on my Instagram the other day, I had a um, mermaid latte. <laughs> no, I didn't. I have to go see Oh, that. my goodness. You it talk about it and I'll go have a look. Amazing. A so beautiful. I went into GoVita and I was just looking around and um, Nutra Organics has this mermaid latte and I'd seen it on Instagram and it's so pretty and I thought it can't be good for you. It's too blue. But then I looked at the ingredients and I was like, wow, this is amazing. It was like the blue is blue spirulina and butterfly pea flower and wow. the it's got adaptogenic herbs and it's got all these chai spices and it's just wow. it's nothing bad in it and i was it like all right i'm buying this well wow hey yeah so i got it for myself and the girls to have a bit of fun and have a blue tea party and then it's the boys kind of, saw it and went give it to us too <laughs> yeah it looks really yeah they loved it wow it's really it's really yummy it's just like a chai latte it tastes beautiful is it caffeinated no, there's no tea in it. Oh. It's just spices. Just spices. All right. And well, herbs. That looks good. So you go yeah. to Instagram.com slash Joe Witten and you'll see this blue thing swirling in a Robert Gordon <laughs> cup. And the Robert Gordon cup, I have to tell you about that. That's my favorite Christmas present to myself. Um, it's just the most beautiful cup. This is not sponsored, by the way. Um, but they reposted my photo on the Robert Gordon page. Oh, wow. How cool is that? Yeah, yeah well... Did you buy that in Melbourne when you were there? Is that what you got? I bought it in a chuka. Yeah, yeah, I bought the mugs from that gorgeous little shop oh, that man. we spent about an hour or two in the um, homeware shop with all the cactuses and the pottery, and it's beautiful. Joe, I've had such a, a good break from oh. you. Oh, just right, so. What? From me? <laughs> That's mean. Uh, all right, look, 2018, I'm going to start with a fresh kind of. <laughs> attitude here i'm not gonna yes. have a hard time this year if i can help it if i can help it but i, I don't know i don't know if i can commit to this I, it'll probably i don't i don't think you can to like fasting five days a month and you know doing my exercises <laughs> daily and sleeping early and doing all that kind of stuff and like low carbing 
gaps, yep. failure. I'm going to commit to all that very easily, but I don't know if I but can. Not to being yeah. nice to me. That'd be right. I'm so sorry, Joe. I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why. Like usually, like I'm so nice to everyone except you. Oh, just because <laughs> what's, the, um, what's the saying? Familiarity breeds contempt. Is that what, what it is? Oh. Yeah. Well, for us, it breeds content, which we produce together. Huh? That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like this podcast. So oh, well done. That was very witty. Joe, you, yeah, witty for the witten. So, hey, Joe, <laughs> you've been stand up paddleboarding recently. Tell us a bit I about have. what's what's oh, that's, It's my my new favorite pastime for relaxation. I can't take my phone, which Fuad's really happy about because then I don't message him, <sighs> and <laughs> it's just so relaxing. And um, our our beautiful little volcanic crater lake here, um, it takes me about twenty minutes or half. Oh, 25 minutes to paddle across and, and then um, I paddle back and sometimes I do that twice so I'm out there for a, you know, a couple of hours. Just yeah. I must admit I, I quite often get into the middle of the lake and then just lay on the board and, and zone out because you can't hear all the screaming kids jumping off the pontoon from the middle of the lake. It's awesome. What about the crocodiles? Yeah, when I get to the other side and, and go to turn around, I'm, I'm very careful not to fall off because there is a crocodile or two in the lake. And um, although they're freshwater, I think I would still scream a lot if it came near me. <laughs> well, you've been told all your life that if you see a crocodile, you shouldn't forget to scream. So, you know. That's right. That's yeah. right. And never smile. Never. Really? That's a song. Never smile at a crocodile. You don't know I, it? I don't know that one. No. No. Oh, well, I won't yeah. sing it for you. It's probably but less famous to... than the one I quoted. Okay. I get to the other side and um, there's this giant tree that hangs out over the water and the branches go along the water and it's just beautiful. And um, I like to go and have a look at it. But twice now, something's jumped out of the branches into the water when I come up to it and it freaks me out. I don't know. Is it a rat? I don't know. The first time I thought it was a person and I thought it was very creepy. (laughs) Because you're like like away from everybody over there. Yeah. But but honestly, it's the most beautiful experience just to get out by yourself. And maybe it's that woman that they ran into living in the bush. Oh, maybe it is. Maybe yeah. it is with the machete. With the machete. Yeah. That's, that's creepy. <laughs> that is creepy. We live in an interesting place here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> My husband was bushwalking and found a lady living way out in the middle of nowhere in the bush with her. Yeah, let's not say where because she's obviously no, there no, for no. a reason. We won't, we so, won't. Yeah. No, that's right. We won't do that to her. But <laughs> yeah, she came out to chat to him holding a machete and he's like, oh. <laughs> but they had a great chat. So uh, This is, this is um, yeah, far north Queensland where people come to escape. So yeah, it's a beautiful place to escape to, I must admit. Where do I escape from you in far north Queensland, Joe? That's not even... <sighs> No, New South Wales has to be it for me. <laughs> All right, I'm you going, stay in the Blue Mountains. I'm going to uh, Adelaide on the 30th of January. You are, yeah. yeah. You better so tell everyone about that. I'm going to uh, meet up with Dr. Brett Hill from that paleo show. He's uh, a really cool dude. I, I used to listen to that paleo show back when I first started down this path, maybe two years into it. I, I listened to the podcast. And, I remember you telling me that years ago. Yeah. so it, Before we knew them. No, that's right. I still don't know Brett very well. I've only you know met him a few times. Uh, Brett's so, my friend. Is he? 
yeah, I've known Brett for a while now because I, oh. I think they interviewed me, well, I guess it was about three or four years, four years ago maybe. Yeah. And wow. then we, then I started doing the wellness summits with them all and it just, they feel like family, just all oh. those guys. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, are, they are. They are family. Like just people yeah. who are working on the same path, trying to yep. all these families and people who really need healing and making a change in the world. So, you know, definitely. Uh, we have so much fun when we're all together at this. Yeah, at the summits and everything. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, so I'm looking Which reminds me. Adelaide, because I haven't, uh, I haven't been there for a long time. And uh, yeah, I actually haven't. Are you speaking at. Um, so you're speaking for Brett at his um, clinic. Uh, yes. Is that right? Yes. Like a talk, yeah? Yeah. Um, do you have the details to tell everyone in case there's people from Adelaide listening? Uh, well, if you keep talking, I'll find them while I'm. Okay. Yeah. And then I'll just mention that um, there's not a wellness summit this year as such, not a big one. What they're doing is spreading them around Australia so that there's small ones. Um, so the Queensland one is the 24th of February, and I'll be speaking at that one in Brisbane. Um, so you can go onto the Wellness Couch um, Facebook page and it'll have all the info there. Yeah. Um, or online probably. The Wellness, uh, what's it called? The Wellness Base Camp. And then there's the Sydney one that you're speaking at. When is that one? Um, in Wollongong it's going to be, not Sydney. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I, th- I think it's in July or something. I can't really remember. I have such okay. a bad not, dates. It may not be up for... Um, tickets yet but the the brisbane one is definitely selling yeah fast. Right. So they're only small so they're not like a giant a thousand people like the wellness summit so if you want to come you need to get in quick okay so i'll, I'll look up the wellness summit as well but if you go to drbretthill.com he's got all the information there for his stuff i'm not sure if the events are up there yet but you should be able to to find that out pretty easily send him an email or something and I'll, yeah. I'll check as well and maybe i'll get some links to the event and put it on the podcast so we'll see that we've had a, we've had a few requests for we've had a lot of requests for, um that we come to adelaide for seminars so we haven't managed it yet but we will as soon as we can but for now go here for what <laughs> yeah it's definitely like it's going to be a while before both joe and i get there so i'd love to meet you if you're in adelaide uh come and see us uh, support dr brett get to meet him he's an amazing guy like yeah. he's all about natural living and like things like barefoot running and paleo and uh, moving like a caveman and things like that so i think um usually people struggle to find someone who can be such a big influence in their life when it comes to health, someone local. Like I know I struggle to find a local health practitioner that is actually, oh, yeah. you know, on, on top of the game. And uh, someone mm. like Brett, if you're around him, I'm thinking, you know, you should definitely you use his time and his skills because he's completely dedicated to this and he's so knowledgeable at it and he lives this lifestyle himself. So he, he's got so much wisdom to bring. So totally recommend, yeah, yeah that this, this have a- you do. They have um, a lot of, uh, is it every month they have talks at the clinic? I'm not sure, but they do get some really great speakers in too. So keep an eye out for those. So um, that's, that, that's in Jan. And then in February, I think the 10th, I'm going to be in uh, Canberra. Uh, mm-hmm. the, Thermomix, the Thermomix Open Day. So I'm going to be there yeah. doing a couple of uh, recipe demos. So if you're around, come and say hello. I'd love to meet you too. And um, that's, 
I think 11 o'clock, I think I'm starting. Yeah, so 11 o'clock on uh, the 10th of February, I will be in Canberra. So I'd, I'd love You to can look that up on the Theronics website probably, Open Dates. I would imagine, yeah. Yeah, I think you have to book in. There you I'm go. pretty sure. Yeah. I'm not um, familiar with the event, so it'll be my first time at such an event. For we, have a, we have a lot of um, friend, quirky friends in Canberra, so yes. yeah, you guys get along to that. Yeah, so that, these we've are the events coming up. Then Brisbane is what time? When? So we've got our seminars in Brisbane the 21st and the 22nd of February. Yeah. So you need to start booking into those because now that it's the new year, those tickets will go pretty fast. Brisbane's a big area for us. Um, and so we've booked in four seminars, two mornings, two nights. I think it's Wednesday, Thursday. Um, 20, 21st, then, 22nd, is it? Or something yep. like that? Yeah. Yep. And then I'm going to have a day off in Brisbane with my brother and then I'll do the base camp on the 24th. Oh, what's the base camp? That's the wellness base camp. Oh, the, one the, I wellness, base. About. Oh, the wellness base camp. Yeah, it's not called the summit this year. It's called the oh, wellness base Ah, yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Ah, cool. So you'll ha you have an extra day. So I'll be back yeah. then on the 22nd and then I'm going to take two weeks off with my best friend. And yep. um, yeah, it's going to be crazy time. We're going to do a, a road trip up the coast from here. So that's going to be a very interesting time for Instagram, putting all these photos of these amazing that we're going to be jumping into. And uh, Oh, yeah. You better. It's going to be good. Some photos. I'll take my stand up paddle board, keep it on the car. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Woohoo. You need two so your friend can have one. Yes. <laughs> I have to borrow I've, one. I've got a friend who has another paddle board. So. I need to get roof racks on my car or something. I got those soft roof yeah. racks, but I don't know. I think like they kind of bend the roof a bit when you put something heavy on the roof, and I don't want to ruin it. Oh. I might have to install roof racks on my car. I've been thinking about getting a car, but then I go like, no, like this car is really good. I don't know. Yeah. There's something, there's this pull in us always to sort of like buy something. Do the next thing. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you buy a you buy a boat and then you have to get a car that pulls the boat and then you get a bigger boat so you've got to get a bigger car. Not yeah. that I've ever done that because I don't have a boat. Yeah. But that seems to be how it works, doesn't it? We're never quite satisfied. Well, I'll be satisfied with a paddle board and I'm not very, a boat. <laughs> I'm extremely satisfied with these things like you know, the new I know, one, I know. Uh, I look at my like, oh, there's a new one. Like, you're useless now. I don't like you. Uh, but then I go, and this, oh, is, this one is awesome. Like, I haven't actually, I don't need to upgrade it. I don't yeah, need to upgrade exactly. It. And this is something that I think both of us have been thinking about a lot with decluttering and simplifying, especially at the start of a new year. You want to um, sort of clean out. I think everybody I've been talking to has been doing cupboard clean outs and decluttering and dropping things off at op shops and yeah. Um, it's such a great feeling to start the new year off clean Lights. and new. Yeah, and um, and I and I always make these promises to myself at the start of a new year that I'm not going to go crazy with buying things I don't need this year. And yeah, um, hopefully, hopefully I won't. Well, that's, that's where I'm at. Like, so I decided to just replace the phone battery on mine because it's sort of kind of started dying out very easy it's not lasting anymore and, i need you know, to do that too and i kind of got upset at apple slowing down their software so that they can make up for the did you hear about that no so um it was a big fuss apple released a software update which uh, slowed down their phone because oh. the battery life was just not good enough and wow. um, so they did this really this software thing where they 
they're saying that it's just uh, they didn't realize, you know, like I said, they just denied it in some way. But what happened is they released it just before Christmas where everyone's, yeah. got, you know, upset with how slow their phone is now. So they well, need- mine has been really slow. Maybe that's Yeah, yeah. So, so then you go like, oh, I should really buy the new iPhone because this one's slowed down so much now. And so wow, that's yeah. sneaky. It's sneaky, man. Uh, and, yeah. 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 So we'll we don't just have want to, to into these kinds of uh, we, abuse. Where, we yeah. do slow cooking and slow living. Let's do slow iPhoning. <laughs> I've been telling you that for years. I know you have. Yeah. <laughs> I'm slowing that. Look, I had, I had so much um, free from screens time on the on my holidays. It was great. It was so good. Yeah. It's the detox, the technology detox. It, I was actually it, in the middle of the you bush do it now, four or five Dave. days. I can't remember now. Yeah, uh, I I had no reception, so my phone just was used to playing music when I needed to play music. But hmm. I was just in the middle of nowhere, and time stopped, and I had I just didn't even know where I was after a few days. I was like, oh, I'm just <laughs> and just like completely disconnected from everything. I could like scroll through Instagram or do anything like that. So, yeah. you know, I had to be present with what was there and the nature and it was just so beautiful. And it kind of gave me a small taste for what's about to come in April, which is scaring the heck out of me, Jojo. Oh, I bet it is. It would scare the heck out of me too. Yeah. So Are you going to tell uh, them? I think I've mentioned it before, but yeah. I'm, I'm doing a four-day wilderness fast. So I'm going to be in the bush doing uh, absolutely nothing for four days. I'll have no gear, no food. I'll have, I think, a tarp and water and just a few basic things, like maybe insect repellent or something. So that's what I'm going to be yeah, doing for, for those four days, uh, just yeah. focusing on um, being in the wilderness with, with nothing. Because I've been reading this book by Stephen Harry Buner about uh, the transformational power of fasting. And... Um, it's kind of this, uh, it's been a call for me to experience this oneness with uh, the natural world because I feel, as you guys know, I'm uh, really gravitating, I gravitate in, in my view towards the Paleolithic uh, lifestyle and the way that we lived as hunter-gatherers. And this is something that I've never really experienced. I've never, you know, I'm as domesticated as the next person in the way that I live and I just uh, have this uh, fear of, the wild and the dark, even though I try to overcome it. And uh, so this is going to be a, a really big experience for me to actually mm. put, put down the, you know, all the guards I have against being in such a place. Because I remember so many times, like I'd be walking in the dark in the bush and I'd hear some kind of massive animal somewhere and I would panic hmm. like crazy. Uh, yeah. It, like, and it always seems more massive yeah. when you're on your own or if it's dark. Oh. <laughs> and, and it's such a primal fear that fear of the dark mm. when you're exposed yeah dark, oh my god what are, so the tiniest sound seems so freaky yeah. so i don't know what i'm gonna be like for four days I'm gonna do some some oh. practice runs of one night here and there That's a good idea. <laughs> all right i'm gonna do that my, you can come up and do it up here in our in our um far north queensland rainforest dave goes out all the time yeah. oh, he's <laughs> No, no, he doesn't. He takes a hammock and hangs it up in the forest, rainforest and just does a little um, hoochie over the top with a tarp and a rope. 
So it runs, the rain runs off it. He's ex-army, you know, he does all that stuff. And he was telling me one night he was in this pitch black rainforest and um, he was sitting in his hammock and he heard this boom, 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 getting closer and closer. And he's like, what, what is that? And it was like crashing through the bush. And he was thinking there's some great monster coming. And he quickly got his torch headlight on and aimed it at, and it was a tree kangaroo running, like hopping straight for him. He was like, wow. (laughs) So yeah, if you hear horrible noises, it's probably just some cute little tree kangaroo or something. Yeah. (laughs) It's the ones that don't make a noise that should really scare you. Yeah, that's (laughs) true. That's true. (laughs) Uh, yeah, so I don't know, guys. This might be the last four months of podcasting that I have before I go and uh, uh, never come back. So I hope you're enjoying this podcast. Uh, Make the most of them while you can. Do you want to talk about uh, today's podcast? Sure. So um, I was saying to Fuad that a lot of people, well, I think we all kind of make all these New Year's resolutions and we want to get started on a healthier way of eating and a healthier way of living and we think about it all at the New Year and we plan and um, a lot of people that I've talked to and seen online are working on gut health like we are and um, they're very um, like focused on starting off the year in a healthy way with healing the gut and a lot of them are doing gaps and we find that if you're starting gaps um, the Christmas holidays is the perfect time to start although it is hot which makes it hard to drink soups and broths you just got to sit under the fan but it is easier in that um, you will go through a stage of die-off and you will have like that flu feeling and sometimes if it's Um, small children will refuse to eat and they'll be cranky. Sometimes people will vomit um, or they'll get fevers or they'll get all sorts of die-off reactions when they're changing um, to heal, when they're changing their diet to heal the gut because that Uh, first period. Carbohydrate withdrawal. So I think that's sort of. Carbohydrate withdrawals is a big one, yeah. Yeah, it's Um, it's muddled in there with the. the It is. Because a lot of people think it's just die-off symptoms. Yeah, that's right. It's. Your body's screaming for sugar. Yeah. Um, And there is ways to soften that so that it's not such a harsh um, changeover. Yeah. Um, And we talk about that a lot in the program and on if you go to the blog the um, getting started with gaps or what's it called um i always forget the name of that blog post but anyway you'll see it there it's about getting started with gaps um ways yeah we'll put a link um but there's ways to get started um you know softly so that you're not doing the whole cold turkey thing um but a lot of people do start in the christmas holidays cold turkey is really good on gaps by the way (laughs) it's perfect um but yeah there's especially if you if you're working usually and you've got kids at school and all the craziness of everyday life um it's hard to start a complete change with your diet um so in the holidays is a great time to start because you can spend some time at home just resting um the kids don't have to be at school so they're not going off to school cranky and upset because they don't feel well um, so Christmas holidays is definitely a really good time to start gaps. So if you are starting gaps, um, or even if you're just wanting to make some changes to your health and, and work on some things to help heal the gut without, you know, properly doing gaps, this podcast will be really, really helpful to you. So this is one that, um, we're resharing and it was 
um, a talk that Elise Comerford did for us at our gut health retreat on um, beginning gaps and what it means and, and all about the microbiome and how it all works and the science behind it and how to get started um, because there's, there's that feeling of being overwhelmed with a lot of people when they change their diet. And this will really help you to get in the mindset and to get started. Um, Elise is a nutritionist and health scientist and a GAPS practitioner, and she answers the questions in our um, gut health support group um, each week and helps people um, to, you know, figure out all the nitty-gritty questions with GAPS. Um, so she's been a really big help to, to us and to our um, program members. If you do want to look into using our program, it will really help you um, to know what to cook and to have variety and to have lots of um, support in your GAPS journey. So that's gaps.quirkycooking.com.au. You can have a look at that as well. We have a $50 off coupon during the month of January, which is uh, Jan 50 off. So that's J-A-N 5-0-O-F-F. If you go to gaps.quirkycooking.com.au, you'll be able to sign up and use that coupon code JAN50OFF and you'll get $50. And it'll, it's from now until the end of the month. So make use of it now. Send it to your friends. It's a lifetime subscription, so you may as well save money now. Um, yeah. If you have any questions, email us at help at quirkycooking.com.au so we can clarify any issues you may have or any hesitations you have about joining the program. It's an excellent resource. We're always making it better, always keeping it as up-to-date as possible with the gaps, uh, knowledge that's coming in from all the people who are training with Dr. Natasha Campbell-Bride. Uh, it's an ongoing work for us, and um, we feel like it's one of the, the programs that is the most maintained when it comes to the gut health uh, world especially around gaps and we've seen so much benefit out of it and we have thousands of people already signed up here and it's it's just phenomenal this program it's just so strong and it's got so much to offer for to you in addition to that is the facebook group where you join all the mm -hmm. others who are on this journey together and there will be a lot of people joining up in january so you'll be able to compare and get advice and ask begin together uh, yeah so You'll be all on the same page. Plus, you have some veterans who have been healing for over a year mm. now, and they'll give you a lot. Or two. Yeah, two. Yeah. So. I am. Um, we we are working on new videos and new recipes and updating um, the program, and that will be something that we just add to as we go along. Um, so, like Fuad said, it's a lifetime membership. So you just you know you can just get it now while it's on special. And then you've just got it to help you. And as we update things, you'll just keep getting new recipes, new videos. I just did a video. Um, I just finished editing it last night for um, seasoning pans, for instance. So I've updated that um, and we'll be adding that to the program because um, we get a lot of questions about cookware and what's healthy and what's not. And if you're using cast iron or cast steel, um, how to, or what is it called? Form steel. Um, how to season it and how to, um, you know, Careful. troubleshooting. Yeah, like there's, I've added some, I've included in the video, okay, when your pan surface has gone all patchy, 
don't freak out and panic. This is what you do and this is how you get it back to, you know, well-seasoned and because that's the kind of questions we get. So it's a very practical program as well as I, I, I think it's very inspirational too because um, we do get a lot of feedback from people saying, I was so overwhelmed until I found your program and I, one lady, actually I've had a few say this, um, when I got it, I opened it up and started looking through it and I just started crying because it was just so so um comforting to have all that help and to know that i could do this yeah so yeah it's something that um we've really worked hard on so i hope that it will be helpful to lots of you and not only is it helpful the food's delicious so that means yeah those of you who are trying to make come up with gas recipes on your own it's pretty much going to be uninspired because you're you're exhausted and you're not in creative Mm -hmm. mood and you need some nourishment that is also something that you're very happy to put than you know your digestive tract so make sure <laughs> go check it out and if you have any questions let us know help at quirkycooking.com.au yeah right, so we'll move on to the podcast guys have a great start to your year joe thanks so much for welcoming welcoming me back this year not kicking me out. <laughs> oh for what i couldn't do without you oh <laughs> I wish you could. I really wish you could. <laughs> I, I did without you for a few weeks. Uh, Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I, I survived. You. You're my best friend. My best friend. Oh, thanks. Uh, right. I'll, uh, we'll say goodbye here. Leave it there. Enjoy the podcast. And we'd love to hear from you. If you have any feedback on the podcast or any questions, let us know. If you have any guests you want us to bring on this year, or any topics you want us to address, send an email to us. And uh, we will be in touch next week for another new podcast. So chat to you later. Thanks, guys. Alrighty. So um, I want to give you guys a really good understanding of GAPS today. I don't want to just talk at you. So if there's any questions as I'm going along, um, I don't know what you guys know. So if there's questions, just stick your hand up and we can make sure as we go along that you all have a really understanding and no one's getting overwhelmed. And that's the most important thing about learning about gaps, about doing gaps, about doing anything to do with your health is taking it one step at a time and taking from it at the time what is right for you. That is the most important part. This information that I'm telling you today, it's not the only time you're ever gonna hear it. You don't have to write it all down. You don't have to remember every little piece of it. It's just taking... It's just taking from it. Great, that's great. It's, it's taking from it right, right now what you guys need. So if all you take from it is one thing that you can go away and start implementing, take that because you know you have support. There's the gut, the gut health support group, and now you'll be part of the gut health program one. So all the information I'm giving you, you can access it again. It's not, you know, don't need to remember it all right now. So we'll start out with what, why your gut's so important. A lot of you probably already know a bit about the gut. I'm guessing when you're at a gut health degree. Um, but we'll just kind of reiterate why, why the gut plays such a huge role in our health and why it causes the brain in our belly. So the gut plays a huge role in our immune system. The gut lining is like a protective barrier over our immune cells. So Uh, is protecting our immune system. 85% of our immune system is actually in there, in our gut. Uh, 
So, and when the bacteria in our gut is in the right balance, it's actually producing every antiviral, antimicrobial, antibacterial substance we could ever need. So, for example, a lot of you will have heard of that, you all will have heard of the herpes virus. So, you can have the herpes virus in your body, and if you have the right bacteria going on and your immune system is protected in there, then you can actually have that virus never expressing itself. So your body should be able to take care of anything like that. Every antibacterial substance you could ever need can be produced in there when your gut lining is in good repair and when you have the microbiome that can respond and take care of things. Our digestive system, so that one's pretty obvious. So our gut's there, everything that we put into our body, that's where it gets dealt with. So the enzymes to break down our food, the bacteria to make sure we're getting all the it's the protective barrier between what goes through our gut wall into our blood. So that whole process that's going on in there is relying on the fact that your gut lining is in good health and you have a microbiome there in good health as well to deal with everything that's going on in there. The gut-brain connection. We've got a vagus nerve that goes from our gut all the way up to our brain. If there's toxicity going on in here, then we've got toxicity flooding up to our brain. And then we have the blood-brain barrier. So that's a layer of zonulin over our brain. If we have pathogens, that's eating away at our blood-brain barrier. And then that's basically anything toxicity that's in our blood can go through to our brain. And when you've got toxicity happening in here, it's going through from your unprotected gut lining straight into your blood, pumping around to your brain. So we've got that kind of um, that toxicity going through our body. And then our detox systems. So if we've got a lot of toxicity going on in here, our liver needs to cope with that. So what happens with a lot of gaps people is that their liver just starts to So our gut plays a really important role in all those systems. What's going on in our brain? How are we digesting our food? What toxicity we've got going on in our body? How our detox systems are coping with that? So when those systems start to fail, we see a whole host of issues that start to come from that. So what do we mean when we talk about healing the gut? So there's two things we really want to do. We're wanting to heal the gut lining. So on the gut lining, you've got um, basically these finger-like projections that are called villi. And on the villi, there's all there's um, cells called enterocytes. And on them, they've got little microvilli. So we've got these villi with enterocytes, the cells that are born down here in the crypts. They travel up and they get shut off. It's really to happen. And I've got lighting the place for itself every two to three days. And on each of those cells, we've got microvilli that have like little hair on top of them with all the enzymes to break down food. So we want them to all, that all to be healthy, happy um, process going on. And parasites form here, travelling up the villi and then getting shut off. This is a process happens every two to three days. So when that's happening all right, we've got happy, healthy cells on our gut lining. We have cell junctions that look like this, nice and tight. And so that gut lining, that's our protective layer between us and the outside world, basically. Your tube from here to here is the outside world. So that gut lining is our protective layer. We want that to be in good repair. Then the other part of gut health is our microbiome. 
so our microbiome, the amount of bacteria you have in your gut is way a brick. That's how much bacteria you've got going on in there. And there's this symbiotic relationship between your gut bacteria and your gut lining. So these guys need to be working together. Just like you need good soil in the ground to grow pretty flowers, you need good gut lining to grow good gut bacteria. And say, and the, the relationship symbiotic. So you need good gut bacteria to keep the integrity of that gut lining. So they're just in this symbiotic relationship. So when we're talking about gut health, we're not just talking about taking probiotics. We're talking about working on that whole ecosystem where you're repairing the gut lining and you're also repairing the microbiome so that they can have that healthy relationship that keeps each other happy. And then at the same time when we're talking about gut health, we're talking about what we're putting in there and the effect that it has on those two things. So does anyone have any questions so far about what the gut's important for and what we're talking about when we're talking about healing the gut? I, I guess, um, Is it that process, if, it's, if that process isn't happening properly, that's when we have the issues? Yeah, so the question was about when the, the gut's health is renewing itself every two to three days. When that's not happening properly, that's when we have the issues. So yeah, so that feeds into the issues. So the reason why the gut lining, so there's enterocytes that are born in the crypts and travel up there every two to three days. The reason why that process might not be happening right, it's usually because the gut flora is damaged. So, and that often happens from birth um, and just the environmental toxins, there's lots of ways that our gut flora is damaged. So if that gut flora is damaged because of that symbiotic relationship, the gut flora and the gut lining, that gut flora is damaged, it's not protecting the gut lining properly. So those cells become damaged. And so they may be born there and travel up in five days or travel up in one day so there's something wrong with those actual cells when they're born. But I think the promising thing when we say that it happens every two to three days is like, well, in two to three days, if you start putting the right building blocks in there, you can see a difference. Yeah. Our liver replaces itself every three months. So these cells are replacing. We just need to get the right stuff in there. Yeah. Any other questions about gut healing, why the gut's important? This is like the case. Why can't Great question. The question was, if this is the case, why doctors can't see this and prescribe this sort of diet? Um, pharmaceutical companies can't make money out of it. Oh yeah, that's a really hard one to answer because why exactly? Why? I don't know why. They don't study nutrition. I've studied far more nutrition than a doctor has. You've probably studied far more nutrition than a doctor has. <laughs> yeah. I had um, an appointment with a doctor the other week and she had a four-year yeah, four medical student there. And I started telling him what we've been doing. He just looked at me blankly and said, why are you trying to heal your gut? What? What do you mean? You said with medication. And I said, no, no, no. Diet, lifestyle, you know, and I'm trying to explain to him. He's going, what do you mean there was a problem with your gut? But he had no idea what I was talking about. And I thought four years of medical school and he does not know anything about leaky gut, unhealthy gut, microbiome. He didn't, he was just con just completely blank. How sad. Yeah, and I have a lot of clients that have seen every specialist under the sun. Sorry if anyone is a gastroenterologist, but they're probably the pinnacle of being they should know 
they tell my clients that what they're eating has no effect on what their gut issue is. So I have clients with ulcerative colitis and things like that, and they tell them there's no point changing your diet except to just eat less fibrous foods like white bread, white rice, that kind of thing. Yeah. Confused. Yeah. Yeah. Lady yeah, and usually they just say, say things like, oh, well, if, it's, if, it's, if you think it's helping, then keep going with it. But, yeah. but they don't, they would never come and tell someone, you know, your diet has a big effect. And it just makes, like, it, it makes me crazy. Like, I could go crazy about it because it's like, why would the food you put in your body that's into, like, that's where it goes. Why would food, its biggest role is breaking down food so that we can gain nutrition. Why would it not affect it? Like, in field is, food is building blocks. Like, if you don't put in the right building blocks, why would that not affect the health of the rest of your body? That's how we nourish ourselves. If you don't feed your garden right, the plants will die. Like, if you don't feed your animals right, they'll get sick. Like, why is, does that not happen with us? <laughs> yeah. I know, like, everyone's like, don't feed your chicken avocados because that makes them sick. Like, well, and then what do we eat? So it's like, there's a saying, I forget who said it now, I wish I could remember, but he said, humans are the only species smart enough to make their own food and the only ones dumb enough to eat it. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. So, oh, so getting back on track, this is an ecosystem. So what we've got going on in our gut is an ecosystem. And I'll bring this up many times through what we talk about because every part of healing comes back to that. What we're trying to do is impact the ecosystem that we've got going on here. So just like if you went and cut down one species of tree in this entire rainforest, that would affect every single part of that rainforest and all of the species that live in it and all the animals that live there. So just like when we, anything we do that affects species of what's going on in here, that just has this flow on effect and it's not an immediate effect. It's something that happens as the ecosystem changes with what we're doing. And so that's the same with healing. You know, you don't take lactobacillus and then go, lactobacillus is in there now. It's you take lactobacillus and that has this flow on effect for starting to alter that ecosystem and that takes time. So everything we're doing, we're shifting a whole ecosystem where everything's interacting with each other. So when people go and do lots of testing, and I will talk a lot about testing later, I won't go into it too much now, but with testing and we're finding you know, single strains of things and you've got an overgrowth of this and this and this, and it's, you could see that in one person and then see that in the next person, they have totally different ecosystems. 
So when we're trying to do things with antibiotics or, you know, we're trying to control what's going on in that ecosystem, we know nothing about how all of those things interact. You know, good bacteria don't wear green hats and bad bacteria red hats. Like, we can't just identify and go, you know, the good ones and the bad ones. It's, we don't even know what's good and bad, how they interact with each other. One that we think might be bad in someone, in somebody else, because they've got it, some, something taking care of it in there that it's actually doing good. So when people get into all the fecal stool transplants and all that kind of stuff, we don't even know what a good microbiome looks like. And so I think that will answer the question as well when it comes to doctors. We just don't know enough for, and even like the people that are doing the fecal transplants and looking at stool, like, you know, what's in the stool. I think sometimes we're pretending to know more than we do. And I think any good scientist will say, we know nothing. Yeah. Um, Hippocrates said it like a very, very, very long time ago that all disease began in the yard, but now science is catching up to that. So it's like takes another 2,000 years and then science catches up. So, and it's the same with this stuff, and that's what, that's what Dr. Natasha talks about. She's like, because she gets really pounded with the where's the science, where's the science, where's the science. And, she's, and it's, we need to value clinical experience more than we do because there would be no science without clinical experience because how would you ever develop a hypothesis? So when you're seeing clinical outcomes, no matter how many scientific reasons people can pull up why it doesn't work, you're not going to believe it because you see the clinical outcomes, so that can't be right, science is wrong. So we can either start doing this, start healing ourselves, start healing our families, start healing our kids, or we can wait for science to catch up and tell us to do it. So I know where I'd rather be. So what is GAPS? Um, is, any, is everyone feeling good? Not overwhelming anybody? No, tell me if it starts to get too much information. So basically, the way GAPS issues develop is usually there's some kind of damage to the gut flora. So the way that happens, a whole host of ways. So environmental toxins, medications, vaccinations, alcohol, processed foods, um, anything else, Burn. stress. So that's how they, we get passed on the microbiome. So there's a whole host of ways that we're damaging it. I'd say um, processed foods will have been the first way, the biggest way that we started damaging our gut microbiome. And then that gut microbiome gets passed on to a child during birth. So we used to think that in the womb of child's gut was sterile, but we know now they actually start swallowing a little bit of the amniotic fluid while they're in the womb. That's where they start to get their first infiltration of bacteria and then when and if they pass through the birth canal they get their big infiltration bacteria all over the body in their mouth um, and then breastfeeding um, if, if and when that happens they get their next infiltration of bacteria and then the bacteria where they're born so more often than not these days the hospital so that whole process is how we pass um, the microbiome on and what's happening these days is the microbiome that's getting passed on in the first place is already damaged. So my mother, she was born, her mother already had a damaged microbiome. So my mother was born with a damaged microbiome. And then through her life, she's been a very stressed person. She ate lots of processed foods, 80s, that was the cool thing to do. Um, she smoked, she would have drank alcohol, not a lot, but still did. Um, took medications, vaccinations, toxins in the environment, toxins on her skin. So she's gone through this lifetime until 25 when she had me. 
of taking her already slightly damaged microbiome and just giving it a bit more of a hit. And then she's had me. So I was cesarean born, I was bottle fed, I had earaches and antibiotics when I was young. So I was born with her, her microbiome that she'd already damaged further and then I damaged it further. So I took drugs, I drank, I didn't have a very good lifestyle. I ate a lot of processed crap food, I ate heaps of sugar. I've had a lot of stress in my life and depression. Um, I've taken medications, I've taken lots of antibiotics. So I've had my lifetime of doing that for the damage to my microbiome. And so then I have my son. So thankfully, I've done a bit of healing before I had my son. But I think no matter what you've done, you'll always wish you've done more. So that's how we're passing on this microbiome that's just further and further damaged. And that's why things like autism is doubling every five years. Obesity is like 60% of Australians are obese, which is ridiculous. Um, a million Australians are diagnosed with depression every year. I was never diagnosed, so imagine all the ones who aren't diagnosed. Two million are diagnosed with um, anxiety. I was never diagnosed. Imagine all the others that aren't. So that's why these rates, they're, and they're all constantly increasing. And we wonder why, it's just we're passing on this damaged microbiome and then we consistently keep damaging it with our lifestyle. Did I answer a question there? <laughs> <laughs> it's easy to go yes. off tangent. Yeah, so, um, so basically that's, that's how GAPS issues are developing. And now what that actually looks like. So when that, we're born with that gut flora that's damaged, it means that we're not, our body is not properly protected. So our gut lining, so if you thread your gut lining out, it would be the size of a tennis court, that's the area interacting with the outside world. When the gut flora is, we, when our gut flora is damaged, it means our immunity is damaged, it means that we don't, we're not protecting our body. And it's not just our gut, it's all our mucous membranes. So vagina, the nose, the mouth, like all the, where all the microbiome's meant to be, it means those areas are not protected properly. So that's where the beginning of gut issues start to develop. So um, abnormal flora in here leads to abnormal digestion. It means things are going to sit in there and they're going to putrefy. Um, it means we're not going to absorb the nutrition from our food properly. Our brain takes up 25 to 40% of our nutrition. So um, if we're not getting the right nutrition, we're not getting the right nutrition here. Um, so, when we have abnormal flora, we're not protecting our gut properly, we're getting, um, not digesting food properly, it's starting to putrefy, that's toxic. Pathogens are allowed to overgrow because we're not protecting our gut and our mucosal membranes, we're not protecting everything properly. So pathogens can become overgrown. So then we just end up with this toxicity. So we've got food in there, not getting broken down properly, that's toxic. We've got pathogens producing toxicity. Um, and so our body's left trying to deal with all of that. The toxins then become distributed around the body. So through the blood. Um, and basically, at some point, our, our liver is our powerhouse of detoxification. That's what's got to deal with all the toxicity. So at some point, the liver can't cope anymore. So basically, if you think of the liver as having five, five pathways that we detox through, 
And things go into the liver to get detox, for example, estrogen, it gets slightly changed in the liver and then needs to go through one of these pathways to get removed from the body. So if these pathways are blocked, if there's, you know, if there's toxins producing, um, pat, like, pat, if there's pathogens producing toxins, as well as the onslaught of toxins from our environment, what we're putting on our skin, what we're putting in our mouths and the toxins that are in that, what we're exposed to, the stress, on top of that, we our body just needs to deal with its own hormones. So there's stuff that in our body, like detox is not some fad word, it's not something you do for a week and drink lemon juices, like it's something that our body does every single day. And I think it's become a bit of like a, you know, detox, but it's really just an important process. And so if our, our body's got this onslaught of other things that it's trying to cope with, and it won't factor in your estrogen first, it'll factor in last night's coffee or the pathogens produce, producing toxins, it'll factor in them first because that's stuff that it doesn't even recognize from its own body. So you're trying to cope, your liver's five pathways are trying to cope with all that stuff. And then when your hormones just come in to try and get detox from your body, they just, there's a little trapdoor, they just get thrown out, they just get recirculated. And it ends up happening with a lot of stuff. Lots of toxins just getting recirculated because this can't cope anymore. And so that is the point often where people go, what's going on? I'm really unwell. Their detox systems have begun to fail. And so they're just not, their body is not coping. Those pathways are not coping anymore. And they've just got toxins coming in to get detox and just going around. They've just got this flood of toxins. So does that make sense as to how gut issues develop? Yeah, so yeah. Toxins. Is that just something like the continual cause in the liver, like just one after the other? Say that again. Now, with the toxins, could that be causing like cold and exposure repair and just one after the other thing you Yep, so the question was with toxins, can that be causing colds and flus to occur continually? Yes, and not directly, but indirectly through the fact that your immune system is going to be damaged. So if we've got, and it's really like chicken or the egg, what comes first? Um, but the, your immune system will have been damaged initially. So when there's damage to the gut flora, you know how I was saying 85% of the immune systems in the gut, there's damage to that, there's meant to be that protective layer over those immune cells, then the immune system's damaged. And then the flood of toxins mean that your body's left struggling to fight anything. So it's like kind of like, it's, there's a multitude of things that are having an impact on that. But yes, if there's colds continually, there's damage in the immune system, there's toxicity, the body's not coping. Does anyone else have any other questions so far? Yeah. So, there's a lot of ways that the body starts expressing these issues. So GAPS is split into two syndromes, gut and psychology syndrome, gut and physiology syndrome. Rarely, well never, will there just be one. But I think it was just a neat way that Dr. Natasha found to explain the two ways that the body's being affected. So gut and psychology. So flood of toxicity to the brain. So I mentioned the vagus nerve. So there's a flood of toxicity to the brain that the brain's left trying to cope with that. There's that layer, that protective layer over our brain, the zonulin. Pathogens break that down. That's our blood-brain barrier. So that starts to get broken down. So this is the way, and then we've got toxins floating around the blood because the liver's not coping anymore with those pathways. 
things are getting recycled around the body. So we've just got this flood of toxicity going to the brain and the blood-brain barrier breaking down by pathogens and toxins are just accessing um, the brain. So that's the way the gut and psychology syndromes are developing. So things like Alzheimer's, dementia, ADHD, ADD, um, dyspraxia, dyslexia, epilepsy, uh, anxiety, depression, OCD. So things like that, that's how they're developing. And then when it comes to the gut physiology syndrome, so we've got the digestive issues. So it's pretty, pretty obvious how they're happening. The gut lining's damaged, the microbiome's damaged, we're not breaking down food properly, we're uncomfortable, we're bloated. Toxins in the gut actually, uh, pathogens in the gut are producing toxins, releasing gases, making us feel bloated, there might be wind, there's stuff fermenting in the gut, there's gonna be wind. So that's how those digestive part of the issues are developing. And then when those liver, so when our liver is failing us and those detox pathways are failing, then we're left with issues like the lungs trying to cope, asthma, the skin trying to cope, eczema, psoriasis, um, boils. Um, and then we're trying to eliminate through the urine. And if those mucosal membranes aren't protected properly, then we're ending up with things like um, vaginitis, um, UTIs, cystitis. Um, so the question was if there's ever been any studies where this kind of diet has been introduced to a nursing home and then compared not that i know of I wish there would be. Maybe I'll have to go and do it. Yeah. The thing with the thing with any study to do with nutrition is that most nutrition studies that we know of so far, even some of the most popular ones, um, were done on self-reporting. So it's going to people and go, "What did you eat over the last three years? How many times did you eat this? How many times? Did you like, do you know what you ate over the last three years? And how many times you had dairy? And how many times you had meat? And how, you know? So so much nutrition research is based on self-reporting." And like to control an environment to do nutrition studies long term is very, very difficult. That's mm -hmm. like, I guess a nursing home is probably one of the best places to do it because it is a controlled environment. You can control what people are eating. But that's, that's why there's a lot lacking in nutrition research because often it needs to be an N equals one experiment, which is you on you. It's crazy yeah, yeah, and it's heartbreaking when you see. Well, it's probably too late by then because by the time they're already in there, they probably don't have very good teeth and they can't eat lots of things. Don't need teeth for broth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's a that's a how long piece of string. You don't know, don't know what they're dealing with, don't know. But I I believe there's always something you can do. It's never too late. There's always a point in doing something. Yeah. Yeah. It's like hospital food. Yeah. So, um, so with gut and physiology syndrome, the toxins are trying to leave in other ways. So through the urine, if um, cystitis, UTIs, when that um, system's not protected by the right bacteria, and through the mucous membranes, vaginitis, allergic rhinitis. Um, 
you know, so you're getting those issues with mucous membranes and the mitochondria. So chronic fatigue syndrome, mitochondria, who I touched on a little bit yesterday, they're those little powerhouse of all our cells that give us energy. So when people are starting to get things like chronic fatigue syndrome, it's their mitochondria starting to fail. So these are the two, the two syndromes which I talked about separately, but they're not separate. So, um, you know, some of my issues were depression and anxiety and also bloating. Uh, I constantly had diarrhea or constipation when I was young, so much so that my mum didn't even know because I just thought it was normal. I just thought that's what everybody had. So, you know, I had the physiological symptoms. I had acne all over my face, chest, back, shoulders. Um, I got the thrush, I got the UTIs, I had sinus infections all the time, I had black eyes, I had food intolerances, I had all the physiological symptoms. And then I also had the anxiety, the depression at one time I was going to admit myself for bipolar. Um, you know, I had all that stuff going on, the abnormally eating behaviours. So it always comes connected and I'm sure you could probably think of a few things where how you can connect those two that people usually have both. It's a, it's a holistic thing we're looking at, but it's kind of looking at the two ways that these develop. So does anyone have any questions about the syndrome? Um, one of the symptoms that I had... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one of the symptoms that I had was my left hand would go numb. I did ask the doctor about it said I was too diligent about my body. <laughs> Sounds like my doctor. But can you explain why I'd lose feeling in my hand? So sometimes it's hard to explain exactly why things are happening because I don't know the whole story and there could be other things going on. Ah, so um, she was saying that at one point she was losing feeling in one of her hands. So pathogens attack the nerves, so it could be something going on there. It could be something to do with circulation. So there's a few different things that could be going on, but there's really, except for something like Down syndrome, there's hardly anything that I couldn't relate back to being a GAPS issue in some way or another. And when you start, when we're talking about GAPS, and I'll go into a little bit about what the GAPS side entails, but we're talking about an approach that does no harm. And that's, that's in the Hippocratic Oath that every doctor takes to first do no harm. I think that happens. So the GAPS approach does no harm. And it's a way where you can actually start to take back power of your own health and see what's going on in your own body. And the thing about it, it just makes sense because you're taking it right back to the part of your body that interacts with everything that goes into your body. And that's where you get your building blocks for every cell, your hair, your blood, your eyes, your liver that's going to regenerate itself every three months. With your gut line that regenerates itself every two to three days. Your fingernails. Everything comes from the interaction of what's going on in here. So I found as a practitioner, nothing has become easier than focusing on gaps and away from testing every other little thing because you don't need to know exactly what's going on all the time. So you can just bring it back to healing from what the core of the issue is. 
So I still get a lot of clients that want to do the testing, that want to that want to see all these, want to see what the hormones are doing, want to see what this is doing. And this is the way I look at it. It's like if you broke your arm. So you've broken your arm and you go to pick up something and you're like, that hurts. So I've got a picking up things disorder. <laughs> and then you go to scratch your back and that hurts. I've got a scratch in my back disorder. <laughs> and then you go to pick up your child and I've got a picking up, okay, so now I've got a picking up things disorder, I've got a scratch in my back disorder, I've got a picking up my child disorder, I'm gonna go drive the car and then you go drive the car and you're like, okay, now I've got the picking up things disorder, the child, the back scratching, the driving car. And oh, as soon as I diagnose all these disorders and stop doing them, then I just get more. Because you've got chronic, you've got inflammation, you've got things going on here. So no matter what you end up doing, no matter how many things you eliminate, you're gonna get some pain. And so that's what I, that's that's how I see it when people like I see it like that. When they're like, oh, I've got the I've got, you know, hormone problems, I've got this, I've got that, I've got you're just listing all these things because you've got a gut issue. So it's like trying to identify until you eliminate everything. Same with food intolerances. That drives me crazy getting a list of people's food intolerances. And it's because we're so misled. And so it's like, you can look at all these food intolerances, like, yes, I know you've got a broken arm. Let's just fix the broken arm. Like, let's not worry about all that stuff. Don't spend all your money trying to see all the, re all the things that you could possibly do that hurt your arm. Like, just fix the broken arm. So, that, yeah, so that's what it comes to with gut issues. You, can, you know, you can do all the testing, you can spend so much money, and I just get so many people that have spent so much money They've just spent so much money. And they've got all the tests to show it. And a test from a year ago doesn't mean anything now. Your body, your metabolism is constantly changing. Your body is doing different things every single day. A test just is a temporal thing. It just shows a moment in time, that testing at that moment on that day. You know, it's so dependent on how you're feeling that day, what you ate that day. Like there's so many variables when it comes to testing. And to then base your treatment on that, and not what the person might be presenting with, broken arm. Like it's, you know, you've just got to focus on what is causing the problem. And I found 100% of the time that when I focus on healing someone's gut, they see improvement 100% of the time. So you can go and do all the testing and try and figure things out. And as I said before, we don't know anything. Like we think we know, but we don't. Even when it comes to the gene testing, we just, we don't know anything. So we're just trying to interpret these tests on the limited knowledge we have about our bodies and with everybody's body, Joe might have an MPHFR mutation and um, like Laura might have one as well, but their bodies are going to be acting so differently because that's not the only thing impacting their health. There's a whole host of other things. So it's the same with any testing. Everybody's got so much going on that when you just look at the person and you just treat the person and you start with a do no harm approach, which is what GAPS is, and it's a healing and it's a nourishing approach, then you can't lose. Yeah. Okay. So how was it decided? Start again. So how was it decided that all those foods aren't going to cause you any harm? Is that... So this is my favourite bit. This is my favourite bit. Because... I, I took it over. So um, so how was it decided that these are all... It? Someone didn't just go, hmm, what can we come up with? Like, this is based on clinical experience. 
So this is based on the sickest people and what they respond to, what they can tolerate, what their body does best with, what heals them. So that's what this stuff is focused on. It's not a diet where someone's values come into it. The bias doesn't come into it. There's, it's not just based on scientific research, which I now, with my experience and my views, see that as kind of lower class diets if they're just based on that. This is based on clinical experience with very, very unwell people at what heals them and how they get better. And although we like to go and do all our testing and think that we're all biochemically different, we're really not very different. Exactly what Mary said last week. Yeah, we like to think we are. We want to be different. Um, we're different in other ways, just not biochemically. And that makes sense. We're all the same species, so we're not biochemically very different. So these are the basic foods, and they're, and they're based on tradition, history. Like, this is historically what people ate. So we never ate processed foods. We didn't go and make our own foods in a factory. Like, that's when health problems started. So... The GAPS diet, it's not based on something outside ourselves like a lot of other diets are. They're based on different values or different things. This is based on what our bodies do best with and what is most healing. And as a GAPS practitioner, I've seen many GAPS practitioners who take the GAPS diet and they put their own twist on it from their own training. It's really hard if you study as a naturopath to take your head out of some things. So take your head out of the testing, out of the salicylates, out of the phenols, out of the oxalates, out of all that stuff. But I've always really come back to GAPS because no matter what wormhole I've ever gone down and I went through the MTHFR wormhole big time, I always come back to it's resolved with GAPS if you do it properly. And so... I always caution people to be wary when they go to a practitioner, even if they're a GAPS trained practitioner, interview them first. Have they done GAPS with their family? Um, did they see results? Do they follow GAPS? Why not? Because I find when something's based on so much clinical experience, then if someone's going and changing things about it, they don't, they don't understand it properly. So everything about gaps as it is and sometimes things change so we're constantly getting um training from dr natasha as things start to change but it's only only changing because people are sick up as next generations come along the gut microbiome is more damaged and people need a deeper healing <coughs> what are some of those changes so the question was what are some of those changes the biggest one has been the need to go um, I haven't really explained the GAPS diet yet, so if you guys aren't familiar with it, the first stage is eating broth, for example, like what you had for breakfast, vegetables, and with slow cooked meat in it as well. So one of the biggest changes is that people are needing to go without vegetables in the initial stages. So I'm having to do that with a lot of clients now, particularly children, particularly children with FPIs. Um, so that's when they're allergic to pretty much every protein on the planet and they're given an amino acid formula prescribed by the hospital that they still react to but it's what they react to least. Yeah, so... Um, so yeah, so the, that's the biggest change is that needing to go to an even more basic level with gaps and start the healing with just meat stocks. So I've had clients who have been on just meat stocks for over six months. So, and Dr. Natasha has been telling us that, that she's almost only doing that with people now, because of course she gets the sickest people. Yeah, so, well, and the meat, and the meat stocks. So, and 
that's people thriving on that. So going from uh, failure to thrive to thriving on that because that's all their bodies will tolerate. So yeah, that's the biggest change that I've seen is men do that more. Um, as from a preventative standpoint, passing on microbiome, I always do my six-month-olds on just like a teaspoon of broth in with whatever I'm making. Um, is, is that something that, I mean, I would think if I'm having a daily, he should be having it daily as well. Is that that's normal, safe, that I... Yeah. yeah, so the question was about um, giving broth to a six-month-old. That's how you should introduce food. That should yeah. be their first food. Yeah. And this isn't for sick people. This isn't just for sick people. Yeah. This is a diet for healthy humans to thrive. So when you look at like the full GAPS diet, there are things that you, for someone who <coughs> has a good digestive system, that they wouldn't need to remove. But the basis of GAPS is a diet for healthy humans. So it's a do-no-harm approach. So even if you don't think you need it and you did it, you would see the benefits. And that's like some people who have done gaps with their family and it's been a particular focus on one child that's really got the issues, but it's we're going to do it as a family. And then they see the changes in the child that they didn't think had any problems. And so gaps helps humans thrive. This kind of whole food diet helps humans thrive. Alex, how do you um, think about different cultures who like, eat really differently and thrive? Um, you know, there are African people who eat eggs and starch babies in the interior, and it's like, like you, you put the veggies and like, how do you, is it a European model for thriving based on <coughs> ancestry? So it's not necessarily a European model. In terms of being able to eat starchy veg, GAPS isn't saying that any food inherently is bad but that we're damaged. So when it comes when it comes yeah, when it comes to healing damage, then all starch needs to be removed. So starch can starch is a resistant, you know, resistant starch can feed good bacteria and help good bacteria thrive. But when there's any kind of overgrowth of bad bacteria, it's going to feed that too. So it's not saying that starch is bad. It's that starch needs to be removed when you're trying to heal a damaged microbiome. So once you do the healing through GAPS, starch can be reintroduced. So there's a process of coming off GAPS when you start can reintroduce um, potatoes and sweet potatoes and, and even bread. So it's just about that healing. And when you look at any um, ancient diet, they ate plant foods, nut seeds, meat, animal foods, like that's what they ate. and. Like the research that Weston A. Price did, who was a dentist from Cleveland back in 1930s, um, and he was having children coming into his clinic with more and more cavities. And when it was like aeroplanes and cameras had just been invented, him and his wife went off and started studying um, traditional cultures, ones that had not been exposed to any modern foods, and found that they didn't have any cavities. So if they just ate food that um, there was like a, I'm going to get so many details wrong, but you'll get the gist. There was a little town in Denmark, Switzerland, Lerchental. I remember the name of the place, Switzerland, Lerchental. Um, that all they ate was butter, cheese, rye bread. And like, it was all made in their own town. So the only thing that they brought in was salt and they brought it in by foot. Nothing else was brought in, they all made it all. 
and they had all healthy, they had fungus on their teeth, but once all that was cleaned away, barely any cavities, big wide faces, um, beautiful straight teeth, they'd run in cold creeks every day and were healthier. So, and then 10 kilometers away was a town where they did have a shop and they had some processed food. And the children that were exposed to the processed food had cavities um, and weren't as healthy. And if they were the second generation where their parents had been eating the processed food and then had children, then it was actually starting to affect their facial structure, the straightness of their teeth and that kind of thing. So any traditional diet it was it was based on real foods and like it had it varied so much like the Eskimos ate like whale blubber and salmon eggs and things like that and then um, Africans did eat more starchy foods but it's like when you're getting it in the real form with everything you need to digest it and the microbiome's not damaged that's you know we can handle the food provided by nature it's when we've gone away from that and now we're trying to repair we're trying to repair damage which is when we need to go to what some people can see as extreme um, in removing anything that's giving the digestive system a hard time so that you can start to heal and that's what GAPS does so I always really try and focus on that with people that it's not about food being bad because you can start to really do your head in and form a bad relationship with food it's not about food being bad it's about giving your digestive system a break so that you can heal I go on long tangents to answer questions but did that answer your question Al? <laughs> yeah um, does anyone else have any questions so far no we're all good okay yeah so people that go back to bread yeah so I guess that's a choice like I don't um, it's a choice that people can make it is something Dr Natasha says with gaps that you can get to a point where you'll start making your own sourdough and if that's well tolerated it's all based on you speaking to your body constantly so people can tolerate bread and it's not it's like just not for breakfast, toast for breakfast, sandwich for lunch, a piece of bread after dinner, not that kind of thing, which is what we've been doing, which our body doesn't do well with that. So no one would go well going back to a standard diet because you're just gonna redo the damage. Yeah, but if that can be well tolerated, then it's not that bread is bad, it's that our bodies are damaged and can't cope with it. So that's what the problem is. Yeah. Cool. So the GAPS diet is made up of these foods. So the meat, the fish, organ meats, eggs, non-starch vegetables, ripe fruit, nuts and seeds, fermented dairy, raw honey, um, and fermented vegetables as well. So these are all fresh, natural foods provided by nature. And when you look at it like that, people think of GAPS as a really restrictive diet. It's not restrictive. It's pretty much anything that grows on a tree on the ground and the up an animal just excluding those starchy vegetables that are harder to digest is open to you. So and as you can see with the food that you guys are eating here, that it's not a restrictive diet. Um, GAPS intro is so basically with the GAPS diet there's full GAPS which is where on the previous slide all the foods are allowed. So you have that range of foods that are in the guts diet that are like any whole food kind of primal diet. And then during the intro phase, that's the six stages where it gets a bit more restrictive. 
And the point of that is to take away foods that are hard to digest and give the body a chance to heal. So our bodies have a natural healing mode and that's when our digestive system isn't hard at work. So stage one of the gut diet is eating meat stocks, not bone broths, not 48 hour cooked bone broths, meat stocks. So using chicken drumsticks, chicken thigh cutlets, chicken wings, lamb shanks, beef osso-bucco, oxtail, meat with connective tissue, bone, joints, cartilage, meat no more than an inch from a bone, not a whole chicken, not a lamb shoulder. It's those, it's that gelatinous meat close to the bone that you have in the initial stage of guts. And then vegetables, like you can have pumpkin, zucchini, broccoli, cauliflower, mushrooms. Um, I was going to say sweet potatoes, no. <laughs> um, spinach, so... Um, less fibrous veggies. When you do broccoli, you don't do the stalk, you just do florets, same cauliflower. So you're just doing low fiber veggies, the gelatinous meats, the meat stocks, and that's stage one with some um, ginger tea in between. And that's really giving your digestive system a big break. You're providing building blocks. So in the meat stocks is Proteins like glycine and proline, which are amino acids that are building blocks for your gut line. So you're giving your body building blocks, you're giving your body nourishment, you're adding fat to every one of those meals. Fat is one of the most nourishing foods and healing foods we can have. So we're having the meat stuff, the fat, we're healing, we're nourishing, and we're giving our body a break from digesting. Yep. So the question was with meat stocks, is it best to vary? Yes, because we're getting different amino acid profiles from each animal on their fat. So, and yeah, different fat profiles. So it is, when it comes to our fat profile, it's most similar to things like lamb, pork, beef, chicken. So we, you do need to vary between them. If you're really off one thing, don't have it. Like don't, some people get really turned off by the beef stocks, just don't have them. Um, try and add beef fat to some of your meals. But it is good to vary, you do get different benefits from all of them. So that giving your system, you're giving your body a break is like fasting. So you know you go under the juice fast, that kind of thing. By doing it this way, you're fasting whilst nourishing. So all these foods are nourishing foods. So you're, giving, you're putting your body into that healing mode. You have a natural healing mode when you fast. Fasting is something that we used to just do. You didn't hunt three times a day, like we used to fast. So that's a natural healing mode that we're putting our body in. And we start to get it off. Yeah. So the question was that it's one thing for us to understand, but how do you do it with children? So I think you explain it to them the best that you can using examples like there's bugs in your tummy and we want to get them out and they'll have symptoms that you can talk about. Like, you know, if you're going to do it with your children, obviously there's something going on. So you know how you can't eat this food? Well, when we do this, you should be able to eat that food. You know how you get a tummy ache? Well, when we do this, you might not get tummy aches anymore. Like we're doing this so you stop feeling that, that so you can feel better. And when you do gaps with children, I think the hardest thing that parents deal with is the thought of putting their children through something which causes them any kind of discomfort and gut stuff. So you do detox and you do heal. I see it as 
any risk, any risk, any discomfort that you're putting your child through when you do gaps is far, far, far outweighed by benefits. Because how can you know this information, know this what you can do with your children to heal, which has an effect on their health for the rest of their life. They're gonna feel like they have the flu for a week compared to them going on with things for the rest of their lives. Like and it's and no matter where you're at, there's always a way in. So it's not like, okay, so go home and start with children. Like, it's not like that. So it's there's always a way in with healing food and you should never be doing something that you feel terribly uncomfortable with. But as you just start to take steps, then you'll get to a place when it feels right and that nobody else steps up. It's a very individual journey, guys. Um, so, yeah, sometimes I feel crazy when I'm telling my clients it's okay that your child's home. Um, because I doubt that can happen on the introductory pages of gas. But their body is healing. And the I've never had, never, ever, ever had a parent do gas to their child and say, I wish I knew that. They're always, thank God, thank God I did that. Because look at them now. They grew for an inch of the month. It's just, I guess, initially getting to the like, you know what I mean? Yeah. My son did it, my daughter, yeah. So the question was about how parents cope with when their child quite doesn't have the understanding of what they're doing and they actually just don't want to eat the food. So with the food on gaps, um, when with your child and their decisions they make around food, it doesn't happen here. So if your child's a fussy eater, that's not a decision they're making here, it's a decision they're making here. So any fussiness around food means that there is damage to the microbiome and pathogens are controlling what they want to eat. So GAPS children in particular like the sweet and starchy foods. And that's because pathogens thrive on sweet and starchy foods. So I think it's one of the hard, it's very hard when you're doing GAPS, when you're thinking about doing gaps and looking at your children and trying to understand that their food decisions aren't their choice, that that's really what's going on. They're not making a choice here. So even in the initial stages of gaps, when children choose not to eat and it does happen and their body is going through detox, they do feel nauseous and they do choose not to eat, they get to a point where they have enough detox of those bacteria that they eat. And without fail, 100% of the time, I have never seen a child starve themselves. So they do, they will eat the food, and it always happens. So basically, once they detox and they eat a lot, they eat a lot. And I've had parents crying, like, oh my god, I can't believe my child's eating. She has um, two kids, they have uh, sensory processing disorder, a lot of health issues, a lot of um, like behavioral issues and they were underweight and had a lot of skin problems and 
they just weren't eating anything but white food. And then she put in a six-month photo recently, like a photo journal of how they were and how they became. And she also talked about their behavior and how they started eating. And like Emma's a, like she hates meat, like she almost vomits at the thought of it. And like a strange vegetarian kind of person who, for Joe and I to have her as an assistant, we're like, come on, Emma, you've got to go on gaps or something like that. So, um, but it's, it's really hard for her to do it. And then she put her kids through it. And at first it was very hard but now the kids are doing amazingly well like their skin's healed up they're like craving broth they're asking for broth and vegetables like it's incredible what's what happened to those kids and they were really extremely difficult cases to start off with i'm sure you've got a lot of stories like that as well so it, it does happen and rather quickly in the scheme of their life it's amazingly quick it's like nursing it's like nursing your children through the flu for a week so it's like if you're coming at doing gaps with your kids, there's obviously problems. There's obviously issues. So it's like, continue or nurse them through the flu for a week. And you feel like a crazy person. No, you can't have an apple. And it's like, I'm denying my child an apple. I remember when I put Dylan through it, he was like trying to run around me to grab a tomato out of the fridge. And I'm like, you can't have a tomato. You're not on that stage yet. And you feel crazy. You feel crazy. I even me, and I'm I'm telling everybody to do it. Like, so you do feel crazy. I think sometimes with your family, if they're not on board, it's better just not to tell them till it's done. Like, not exactly what you're doing. I don't know. It can be hard if you don't have the support. Um, but the I guess from my position, I've seen it hundreds of times. And when it's your position to do it with your family, it's the one and only time. So I think it can be hard to come at the idea. And I think as a society, we have this real obsession with how we feed our children and worrying that we're going to starve our children if we don't take snacks out with us. And that's something fed to us by the food industry. It's like feed them six times a day or you don't love them. And that, like, we, I just see that real fear with parents about feeding their kids and like, oh, but if I don't give them the wheat mix breakfast, then they won't eat breakfast and I have to send them to school without breakfast. And I'm like, just send them to school without breakfast. They won't do it very often and then you'll be able to get the eggs into them. Yeah. Like, it's better to do that. They won't starve themselves. Um, I say that I know that if you have a child on the spectrum, there is that fear, that potential that they actually will starve themselves. So I'm not talking about those cases. But... In general, kids won't starve themselves. And by removing the foods that are causing the damage, they just, kids recover so quickly. And I've had, I think the best one was um, a girl, she was about seven. And she, so she had a really good understanding, a fairly good understanding of what they were doing. And I think it was about four weeks in, and I'm, I'm hated by a lot of the children at the start because I'm the lady that means that they can't eat bread. <laughs> and then she, about, I think it was about four or five weeks in, she was going, Mummy, thank you so much for doing that with me. Like, thank you so much for doing that with us. Like, no matter what they do or don't understand, they're going to understand how they feel before and how they feel after. And, yeah. Elise, in that case, do you recommend, say, for that fluid week? us with suburban children going to school, school holidays is the time to just bunk in and yeah, so the question was about when is best to do gaps with kids, like his school holidays better? Yeah. Yeah. So it is better when you have them at home and you have that time. 
you don't have as much risk of the food stealing at school because it is a problem. It does happen that kids start stealing other even out of the bin. Like when they just really, there's pathogens, they're strong, they want to, you know, they want to eat something. Hey? Yeah, yeah, the bin, yeah. So keeping them home is best and they need to be, like um, Joe said yesterday, the M vitamin, they need their mummy, they need to be loved, they need to be nurtured, they need to be looked after. Yeah, so school holidays is generally people, a lot of people do it over those six week school holidays, Christmas ones, but that's something we don't want to because it's Christmas, but you know, you just get hot weather. Yeah, yeah. You get over that pretty quickly, the weighing that hot meal, hot weather. Yeah. Um, how do you overcome the feeling Like where I'm from, it's very comfy, you know, you go to the sports club on a Wednesday night, all the kids are having hot chicken nuggets, and like so the question was about how to overcome kids feeling different when they're eating different foods to other people um i think the best way is to always have the open communication with them about what they're doing and why and having that understanding and when inherently kids are always gonna they're fairly in touch with their instincts so when as humans, we know what the best food is for us to eat. So I think when they're given the space and the opportunity and you're talking to them and you're making food with them and you're explaining them why we eat this and why other people might, like what other people might go through because they don't, I think that's your only option. Um, I haven't hit that stage with my son yet, but he, if you ask him if we eat sugar, he says no because it makes us sick. Like it doesn't matter what age they are, they have some understanding. If you ask him if we eat bread, he'll say no, only good bread, which the bread we make. <laughs> um, so it doesn't matter what age they are, they can you can start to explain to them what you do and why. And then and there's always some point where you've got to let it go because they're going to get to an age where they make their own decisions. And I think you need the balance between making them obsessed with food. And that's something that can be of a concern as well. So I think... If you're basing everything you do on empowerment and knowledge, and then once you've done the healing on gaps, I, I think it's important not to talk about gaps too much, not to talk about stages too much, not to have this focus on something outside yourself, but rather with your kids talk about it like because our body needs a break, this is healing. This means that when you get older, you're not going to feel sick and you're not gonna, you know, you'll be able to eat those foods and rather explain it, I give them a reason why. I find that kind of telling them gaps they're just like, oh, that lady said, you know. So I think, yeah, talking about it, like there's books, there's like the Western A. Price book, there's books about the happy poo, it's called, happy, happy poo. So there's books that you can read to them. I think that's empowering with knowledge is the best way and finding the foods they love because they're not actually going to crave those other foods. When they see the kids eating those other foods, they're not going to, once they've gone through that process of detoxing and healing, they're not going to crave those, those foods, they're actually going to love the foods that you feed them. And so having their favourite stuff, being organised, taking it along with you, you might often find that they don't care. So I know if I've got the right stuff with me, he doesn't care. But if I don't, then he'll want what someone else is having. So I think it's just trying to manage it with all those things. And when you do heal through gaps and you went to a birthday party and they had a piece of cake 
and you know you've gone through your years of healing journey, it shouldn't be the end of the world. Like if that's a decision that feels right at the time, if you feel like allowing them to have it is going to be more benefit than stopping them and how they might feel. Like that decision made once every six months should not have a huge impact on their overall health. So I think it's having that balance with things as well. And they might learn from that experience. They might have it and fill you up. And that's given them this really valuable learning experience where you've empowered them with the opportunity to make a decision. So I think it's just always giving them all the information. Does anyone else have any other questions so far? Okay, so the question was, what about family holidays? I think any holidays. Any holidays. So do you mean like going away on holiday? I mean, is that something that can be like absolutely absolutely if you want to go camping at any time on gaps do it on stage one it's the easiest <laughs> it's so easy you just heat it up in a pot yeah. go. i mean like maybe you know somewhere like internationally like fiji or something you know. fresh natural food it's fresh real natural food um i think america might be the place to struggle most with it but and I think it's where you're at on your journey and where your priorities are. And it actually isn't that hard to get fresh natural food when that's, you know, I like my priority when I go traveling is looking up all the restaurants and looking up all the places. And not just because I'm obsessed, because I love it. Like, I love food. I've never loved food more than since I've done gaps and can eat it all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the question is about the dehydrated bone broth. Yeah. So my only issue with that is when people are unwell, that they often don't cope well with it because it's very, very, very long cooked and it's dehydrated. It's high in glutamate, um, high in amines. So often people who are unwell, they don't cope with gelatin, they don't cope with dehydrated bone broth. They don't cope with long cooked stocks. How do you know? I mean, she does have a patient in the home as an afternoon substitute cook. Um, and yeah, I always go to the water and I get her traveling so that I'm. You'll know, she'll, she'll know. So if that's going to affect her in any way, so any regression. If she drinks it and she feels worse, then don't drink it. So, and it might be that having it multiple times a day, maybe. There's, with everyone, with everything, like with maintaining and stuff like that, everyone has their different way. So, it's, when it comes to something, it's so based on how you feel, no one outside will tell you, so that you will know. having it that will make a difference. 
so it's not everything like that is usually so they but we'll have to have that one. Uh, yeah because I'm yeah I'm gonna be in trouble with the weeks to try and otherwise you won't be I know you say yeah never plenty about you not eating for twenty four hours but Oh uh, no but that's the start. Yeah. yeah no we'll she, um, she yeah. says we all just start from yeah. the time but that would be yeah a long time long time yeah. to get to this yeah. to all the fish or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um So all that stuff like that, if you imagine like you've got a bucket and it's like when you have and I don't want to go down this path too much and I'll tell you all why maybe not today, maybe I'll go into that tomorrow. But this is not something that needs to be overly focused on because the issue I have with fail safe is it doesn't resolve anything and yeah. there's no expanded. Yeah, no. So it's like just removing, yeah. it's like the removing, it's just like the broken arm analogy. It's like we're just removing the thing rather than dealing with the issue. So when I talk about this kind of stuff, it's when you do gaps, it's something you only have to pay attention to in the very early stages because you actually resolve the issue that's causing it. But with histamine, like all that kind of stuff, it's like you got a bucket and it's like, you know, you put some in, you put some in, and then there's like a little hole in the bucket where it can trickle out. That's your body's ability to break it down. And it's just if you keep chucking things in faster than it can break it down, it actually overflows. So that's what I'm talking about with doing it. Yeah, so we'll have a chat about that. So with any of that stuff, yeah. But I don't want to go too far into any of that stuff because I find people get way overly focused on it and go and do all this testing about it when it's just that, you know, broken up, they've got issue that you can resolve and then you won't have those issues. Then they die off. And as they die off, <laughs> As, um, as they die off, they actually they release their toxins into our system. So you've taken away the inflammation, you've stopped feeding them, they release their toxins as they die off, and your body's left coping with all the toxins in your system that it then needs to be off. This is why we feel bad when we go through something like that. So we're getting rid of those lower grade materials and replacing them with good ones, and our body's coping with the fallout. So what is there a detox pathway? So, so basically that's why with the initial stages of gaps you're removing so much that your detox systems would normally have to cope So the idea is that we're trying to free up some of those detox systems. We're doing Epsom salt baths. So why are you doing gaps? You're doing Epsom salt baths. You're getting out in the sunshine. You're looking at the toxins that you have in your home. You stop putting toxins on your body. All of that stuff is a part of doing gaps as well. And Dr. Natasha talks that. Sorry? Helping those pathways, helping those detox pathways so you can cope with the detox. 
including the healing food. Start actually just giving your body what it needs. So that is the meat stock, the fat, the eggs, the fermented dairy, fermented vegetables, the organ meats, organ meats. Like they're not a negotiable. They need to be included and they're not what you think. So when organ meats are prepared properly, they're delicious. And they are like, oh, they are the best pill you could taste. So, um, yeah. So what did my cousin's son do China? Yeah, so there's always somewhere you can start. So how long is he? Twelve, yeah. So when you think of a child like that who they've got such a limited variety of food they can eat, he like I'd say is he not quite thriving? Um no, he's not Yeah. So in terms of what he's already eating, he's not really gonna be getting the nourishment. Yeah, so it would be soft. There's always somewhere to start, and I think when you try and look at what's included in stage one and then think of your kids and think of what they eat and try and then picture lunchboxes and family holidays and then all the ways that it's going to happen, that's the way you start to get overwhelmed. When you just go, this is where I'm at, and what is the next step from here? So, where I'm at right now is someone, you know, with those foods that you listed that I eat, the next step, starting from the top. That's the next step. Sure. Yeah, so short cook stocks and they can remove the fat if initially that is a problem. Eventually it won't be. And then there's other things I would look at because of the fat. There's other things you can do. So there's always a step that can be taken from where you're at. You Maybe you're still eating vegetable oil. It's highly unlikely to this that you are. But then the step could be to start including butter and start putting butter in every meal, even if the meal is pasta. Like, it's, it's not about doing it all right from the start. It's about looking at what you can start improving and just start somewhere. Take that step. And then as you do that and that becomes a part of life and that's easy to do, it might be meat stocks, you might start making meat stocks with them. It's a good time here. They probably, you know, you make shoes, they just look like dinner. So that could be the first step. Then you get really comfortable doing that. And you're like, maybe I'll just start adding some sauerkraut juice and meat stocks later. I don't even know what's in there. months. You get really comfortable with that, and then you might look at the next step. So it's just, it's not a pathway where you can see, you know, like a lighthouse lights up a pathway and you can see what it's going to look like from start to finish. It's like a candle you're holding, and each step you take lights up the next one. So that's, you know, that's the approach that you need to take and get the support and not look at someone else's journey and compare it to your own. It's just, it's a very individual journey, Gaps, and it doesn't need to look a certain way. I didn't do it perfectly the first time. I still struggle with things. Um, I still have some issues popping up. So it's not it's not a perfect journey and it's not, you know, stage one to six and then the full gaps like the book. You know, it's something that you can do. Yeah, but I don't call it intro. I don't I, when my son walked around the house saying, I'm on stage for gaps, I started to realise that I talk about gaps too much. And so I don't say, I'm going to revisit intro. I'm just, today, I'm feeling really bloated because of what? I'm going to eat six today. Like, so, would you feel that this initially you just do gloss for a couple of days and then yeah. go back to Depends months. on what's going on. Depends. That's a really hard thing to answer in it. Uh, to give a blanket answer to because it's all individual situations. But once you have started to explore gaps and then you do get to the point of doing intro, 
and do some healing through that, you get so in tune with what's going on in your body, you have the answer to those questions. So, and I, when I work with my clients, I ask the parent of the child what they think's going on, and that's been taken away from us. That power to think, oh, I might know what's going on with my body. You're going to know better than I do how long you need to do it for. So, when I work with adrenal fatigue people, I get them to have 12 egg yolks a day. And they just go, oh my god, it's ridiculous. But you wouldn't question a high dose of any supplement. And that's what you're doing when you're doing something here for food. You want high doses of gas nutrition. So, and then they say, well, how long do I do that for? Well, as long as you need to. Because you'll get to a point where you're doing 12 egg yolks a day and your body will go, yes, and you'll crave it and you'll be wanting to have it. And then you'll get to a point where you're like, I don't feel like it today, maybe I'll just have eight. And then I feel like six, and then I don't feel like it, and then a week later, I need those eggs. Like, you want to start getting in tune with your own body. So saying with gaps and you know, what the journey looks like once you've already done injury, done the healing, you do get really in touch with what's going on in here. And so you might get gas or something and go, I feel like I need to do this for a bit, like that stuff you'll start to get in touch with and you've got an answer for that. Yeah, so that's, you know, um, so the healing hasn't happened. Yeah, and yeah. she only tolerates very, and I'm sure do see that Well, you need, yeah, because the healing, healing and healing hasn't happened properly. If there's still foods that are intolerant, then the, like, if you, when you do get to the point where you are going to do gaps from stage one, where you've, you know, introduced healing foods, you're taking your steps, you've, you've dealt with any overwhelm, you've got to the point where you're ready to do it from stage one, you will deal with food intolerances. So if she's done from stage one and it's still intolerant dairy, there's a problem. So something hasn't happened right. So those intolerances can be here. So um, I've worked with anaphylaxis allergies. So if that hasn't happened, then it does need to be revisited because if you, if that hasn't healed properly. Yeah. So and it's it's not a failure because the body will heal when it's ready to. So the first time I didn't do that just once. I didn't do it just once. So the first time you do it, it might, you know, there's a certain healing and detoxing that you with and you might need to revisit. So that's all very individual and if there's still intolerances, they're still not feeling too well. Yeah, so you're on that one I always say to people, like, not to compare your journey to other people and, you know, you don't have to pressure yourself to jump straight into gap stage one because so much healing can happen before that. And, getting, you know, especially with adrenals are an issue, lifting them up and healing them first can be a great step to then cope with the stress or, you know, cope with putting your family through stage one and doing that with them. So it's just, it doesn't need to look like anything. Like, there's no perfect way to do it. It's just every step is a step forward. So if you do stage one and then realise there's still issues, Look at the huge step forward that you've just taken because there'll be stuff that has resolved and healing that has happened. So going back to stage one's not a step back because the journey doesn't depend on what you're eating, it depends on how you're feeling. So if there's a big improvement, going back to stage one isn't going backwards, it's 
just the next step on the healing journey. So how have you been working with, so for example, the mindless who does have the drink of tea? Yeah. Um, and he's not necessarily, this is so busy all the time, he's not necessarily mindful of the process of eating, oh, often what you need, and he'll just inhale it, and Seriously, it's not running away, but so how do I help him? Because if he will be on board, but how do you help even myself be more in tune? So do you keep a food diary? Do you like, how do you know that you're actually having a reaction? Because if you've got crap for so long, and that's the normal, I guess my biggest issue is that how do I know my headaches and brain fog and pain and inflammation and not thinking, well, these are things that I've suffered with for bloody 10, 15 years. So for me, that's just normal to have a good night's sleep. I wake up like on the lotto. But how do you, how do you know? I mean, how do you, how do you tune in on this? So I guess that the really tuning in happens when you do do the early stages of gaps, right? Because you are going to resolve a lot of those symptoms, right? So in terms of knowing foods that are a problem. That when that really happens is in the early stages, but I guess you can't expect when you do your journey towards gaps and start, you know, including more of the healing foods and including things, you probably still will still eat things that you're intolerant to, and it's really hard to know it at that stage. But you're going to be making leaps forward in what you are then providing your body. But when you do go through the early stages of gaps, you will remove a lot of those symptoms. So by detoxing, by healing in those early stages, and then it's like you get yourself to a stable level where that when you do introduce a food and you see a response to it, you're not ready for it yet. Right. So it's kind of, yeah. Does that, does that getting, answer? Getting the partner tied in, like how do you, I guess it's That's not your responsibility. Like that is probably the, yeah. a, an answer I have to give a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and one of the best things that you could do for your partner is do your healing because he's going to watch that. Yeah. So, and you learn no better than when you see someone else do it. You know, when you actually experience it rather than just get told. You're going to be telling and he's going to be like, what do you know? You, you know, you still got headaches. Like, but if you actually do and go, well, I'm feeling like this, that's going to, that's when people get on board. They go, oh, I want that food. So I find there's a lot of that. Like I work with people and there's a lot of that. The husband's not quite on board or supportive, but not really doing it himself. They've got to come to that. You know, that's his responsibility. And you'll and by doing it yourself, you lead the way. And when it comes to the mindfulness and the how to tune in, I don't think going and writing everything you eat is going to help. Switch off. Actually, switching off is going to help switch off because you can get too overly focused. And, um, you know, with adrenal issues, I have I work with a lot of people with adrenal issues. And they're like, okay, so I've done blah, 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 blah. And like, what else? And they're like, you need to stop. Like, the number one thing you can do for your adrenals is stop, is not do so much, is prioritize the fact that you need to make your life not so busy. Because otherwise, your adrenals will stop you. And then there'll be no choice about how it happens when it happens, what you're able to do when it happens, it'll be just to stop. So, yeah, so I think it's that prioritizing it. It's easy. Um, distracting us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least it's the edible garden that we've started. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you feel like crap and you don't feel like it, nothing on that. So, don't even stop. If you, if you actually are looking for your own, it's really no problem. Then don't eat. So 
often when people are doing gaps, they stop feeling like breakfast. That's because you're detoxing. And you detox overnight and you're still detoxing in the morning. And they're not and they're starting to feel nauseous and losing our quite a bit. That's okay. So our body we one I think one of the biggest messages to get across is listen to your body. We've been told over and over and over not to. Our whole lives we're told not to, that someone else will tell us when we're ready for something, someone else will tell us how much we need of something, someone else will tell us how long we should do something. You like you know, you will get really in tune with what's going on in here and start to trust that. And that I think that is like is the most important part. You will know when you're ready to take another step, when you're ready to do stage one, how that's gonna look. If you if you got to if you did stage one for three days and went, I can't handle this, I'm gonna go back to four gaps, I'm just gonna myself away. That's okay. Like you know that there's still a path that you need to follow. But if it doesn't, it doesn't need to happen the way that you expect it to. Because just by doing stage one for three days, you will have experienced some healing and detoxing. And perhaps that's all your body could cope with at that time. But you know that you're okay going full gaps and then you might go, all right, maybe I'm just going to go back to stage three for a bit. See how I go there. Maybe I need to detox a bit slower. Maybe my liver is not feeling like it can cope. You, this is you knowing what's going on in your body and what you're ready to do. So when I first did intro, I jumped into stage one and went, this is the way you do it. This is what I'm doing. I'm a gaps practitioner. I need to do stage one from stage one. When I did my training, I was still breastfeeding. So I was pregnant breastfeeding all my learning of gaps. And so I was a while till I was able to do actual stage one from stage one. So I'm like, yep, I've got to do it like this. This is how you do it. I didn't cope because I had a lot of toxicity. And so I felt like a failure because I went, I stopped and I went back to full gaps and then and then I went back again a week later and then I coped a little bit better and then I went back to full gaps and then I waited another week and then I went back again and so it took me a few goes to get through stage one because I was deep but I was listening to my body my body was not coping with the detox and that toxicity causes inflammation so you need to listen to your body and how, like, how, when it's ready to cope, and it just doesn't it doesn't look the same for everybody, and it's no, there's no competition, no one else is putting, like, you know, no one else is putting expectations on you. It's a journey you're taking with your body as you're ready to. But then I did go back, and I, and now I can go back, and I can do stage one no problems, because my body's got to a point where it just doesn't have that much toxicity to deal with. So it's, you know, it's just a journey. Once again, thanks for listening and if you have any questions, feel free to contact us on the Quirky Cooking Facebook page or you can email us at help at quirkycooking.com.au and don't forget that we have two classes coming up next week in Melbourne and Thoreau. You can find the details for those on Eventbrite, search Life Changing Food and we also have our Gut Health Program which is a year old just this week and we'd love to have you join in if you want to know more about the gut health program go to gaps.quirkycooking.com.au thanks and have a great week this has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com check us out on facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch subscribe to each show on itunes and check us out on twitter the wellness couch streaming wellness into your lives 
Foster Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners. These podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.